so good morning everybody and welcome to today's webinar transform your business with agile infrastructure my name is sharad agarwal and i am the founder of onlywebinars.com i will be moderating this webinar which is co-sponsored by tech access and hitachi ventera you will all agree that data is growing exponentially thanks to the growing number of data generating devices such as smartphones wearable electronics host of iot gadgets with sensors imminent adoption of 5g and other technological advancements such as ai ar vr blockchain and indeed webinars such as these the challenge then is how do you store and manage this data intelligently this is precisely what we will be discussing in today's webinar now i would like to introduce to you our two speakers jason beckett is a global leader hi jason hi everybody so, yeah jason beckett is a global leader and in charge of commercial technical sales at hitachi ventara he has over 30 years of leadership experience working for demanding major us multinational it vendors jason will introduce us to hitachi's data management solutions and tell us why the hitachi ventara technology is the rolls royce of the storage industry we also have with us chris g who is the ucp sales specialist for emea region at hitachi ventara based out of uk good morning chris g good morning everybody yeah he will be talking to us about hitachi's unified compute platform but first let's start with jason jason are you ready over to you thank you very much shot so let me just start to share yeah all good let me just go into just while i may remind the audience that um, um, if you have any questions which i'm sure you will have feel free to post them in the uh, chat window or in the q and a tab and we'll be happy to take your questions after chris g is done with his presentation yeah okay yeah, just you all okay thank you can you just confirm you can see the agenda slide yes good okay great yeah apologies for the uh, the slide not working at the very beginning. So, so look, a warm welcome, everybody. Thank you uh, very much for your time today uh, to spend with with Atachi Vantara. You know, myself and Chris and the team on the call are looking forward to, to sharing our our thoughts. Um, and and very much so. You know, the key thing is in and around data and data management. So, you know, we'll talk about how we see you know the data, the data management, um, and also you know we can express what we're seeing from our uh, partners and our customers as well, uh, you know, from a point of view of, of the Middle East and also in terms of EMEA and, and also worldwide as well. And, and, and the key thing is, is making sure with your data that you're in a situation whereby you have control of it and you have your, your management of your data and you do not allow it to, you know, get out of control. So, so for today, I'm going to talk about the Tachi uh, value, talk about our portfolio, uh, and our offerings, uh, talk a little bit about storage uh, and what we're doing around the management of it. Uh, and then I'm gonna wrap up as well, talking about uh, our commercial offerings, because 
you know, a lot of customers now are, are looking at how best to finance, how best to pay, you know, what's the right structure. So, you know, that's very much a key part of the conversations with, with customers and partners as well. So we'll touch on the commercial offerings just to give you a flavor in terms of a, a Tachi's approach. Uh, and then Chris is going to go a little bit deeper in terms of our unified compute platform um, and talk more specifically about, you know, how the UCP helps to support in, 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 in terms of, you know, cloud workloads, in terms of the management, in terms of the protection of data, and also as well in terms of, you know, future proofing our particular technology sets. So in terms of Atachi, um, I just want to just take some time just to talk a little about Atachi itself. Um, and for those that don't uh, fully, uh, fully know and understand Atachi. So, you know, we, we are uniquely positioned for, you know, digital transformation. Um, and we, what we want to do and what we're focused on is creating real value for our customers. So, you know, again, when you think about uh, data, you know, it's not a case of just storing the data. We want to actually move the data in terms of, you know, being in a situation whereby we can activate the data, we can monetize the data, uh, and also when you look at it, you can use your data in specific ways, you know, that helps you from a compliance or a regulation point of view. But when we look at Atachi today, Atachi is an organization which is over 100 years. Um, and fundamentally, you know, Atachi's DNA has always been a, an organization which is an, an engineering organization. So, you know, it's very much focused on innovation. It's very much focused on engineering capabilities um, and anything that you want from a you know a, a rice cooker all the way through to a nuclear power plant Atachi can can create Atachi can can make Atachi can can manufacture you know that that particular area so we've got what we call our OT which is 110 years old and that's you know in terms of industrial that's focused on you know consumer that's focused on you know trains and and various things you know as you know their CCTV um, and then, then also we've got our IT, right, which is, you know, focus on, you know, communications, AI, um, IT systems, big data, cloud, et cetera, et cetera. And if we bring them two together, that's when we get our IoT. And if we give you an example of that working in, in, in real life, we have customers, for example, who, who have bought Itachi trains um, and those particular trains, you know, provide services to rail operators, um, and they go from city to city. Now, when these trains are moving, obviously there's a lot of data that's being created with things like, you know, how fast the wheels are turning, how quickly the doors are opening and closing when they come into stations, you know, who's sitting where on the train, who's going to buy what, who, how long are people staying on the train, et cetera, et cetera. And when the train finishes its, its journey, that data is then uploaded. Um, and it's then analyzed, right? It's then analyzed using big data and then reports are then given to train operators, reports are then given through to the rail operators in terms of how the actual rail itself and the networks work and operate it. And from there, they can look in terms of, you know, customer trends, they can look in terms of whether they need to take a proactive maintenance on, on the particular trains or what they need to do in terms of the track itself. So, that gives an example of uh, IoT and working and operating together. But the key thing in terms of Atachi overall, you know, it's, 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 it's a huge organization. It's one that's very much focused on, you know, engineering, engineering quality and capability, and very much in terms of how we go about and manage and maximize our, our DNA. Yeah. So, so IoT and research and development is certainly definitely part of the DNA of Atachi. 
So um, when we you know, look, look in terms of the, the IT, in terms of the modern uh, IT ecosystem, um, you know, this is what we, we typically see out there. This is what we typically see with our, with our, with our customers. And this is what we see with, it, with, with the various environments that, uh, you know, we're helping and supporting. So, you know, we're finding that customers have got, you know, data centers, they've got on-premise uh, workloads, um, you know, where they have then, you know, digital infrastructure that work and then, then manage. Um, and then they've then got the data and the data is stored in, in different areas, whether it be block, whether it be file, whether it be object store, whether customers need to do, you know, archive, deep, deep archive, et cetera. And, and if I give you an example of that, um, if you look in things like Twitter um, and if you look at the US government, so every, every time a tweet comes out from the White House, that has to be stored and kept and protected forever. Um, and that, that actually runs on Atachi Vantara, that runs on our architecture, that runs on our technology. Um, and we've got, you know, working with, 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 with the likes of the US government, you know, we've got contracts in place that don't, don't run for 20 years or 50 years. These contracts run for 500 years, right? So, so that's where you've got your deep archive. That's where you've then got your focus in terms of your, your object store. But again, that comes down to the management of, of the data that happens. Um, and then we then got, obviously, our, our compute. Um, and then within that, you've then got, you know, you converge and hyperconverge, which, you know, Chris will talk about. But, you know, we partner very closely with VMware. Um, and, you know, with that, we, we provide, you know, things like hyperconverged, uh, you know, infrastructure, hyperconverged solutions that help customers in terms of their cloud and their cloud workloads. And then you've got then your various applications, as you can see that lay across the top, Oracle, SAP, et cetera, et cetera, you know, which you can then use in terms of cloud you know, either hybrid or on-prem um, or, or fully public. So again, you know, that's what we're seeing in terms of the, you know, the, the, the typical uh, ecosystem. Um, and what, one of the things that we do is when we're talking with, 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 with partners and also with customers, we talk about, you know, what is it they're trying to do? What, what is it you're trying to do and go towards, right? And it might be that you are looking to modernize. It might be that you're looking to manage and control your data. Or it might be that you're in a space whereby you want to free up some funding or you want to free up some cash that enables you to move more to a space of digital infrastructure whereby you can do you know big data analytics or you you can look in terms of taking more proactive work as well so we help customers move from what we call the typical mode one uh, and help customers move to mode two which is like i say the next stage that they want to go to in terms of their their, their journey itself also, as well, we're seeing a lot of focus in terms of, you know, data governance um, and also the management of data governance across the system. So, you know, with regulations, with compliance, whether it be GDPR or whether it be MIFID or whether it be whatever the local regulations are, you know, how, how can I manage my data whereby if we're audited, I know that I can show that my data is in, in the right place. It's tagged accordingly. And I know that that data is there in terms of people's PII information and protected, you know, accordingly as, as, as well. So, so this is what we see in terms of a typical IT modern uh, infrastructure that happens and is running today um, and where customers want help and support, whether it's to be, you know, fully moved to the cloud or whether it's to be more of a hybrid or whether they want to stay on-prem or whether they've moved workloads to the cloud, but they actually want to then move it back. So, so it's a balance between, you know, all the various areas. And, and from Atachi Vantara's point of view, you know, we're very much cloud agnostic. We just want to help customers in terms of what is it the goal that they're trying to do and what is it they're trying to achieve from their business point of view. So that's what we see in terms of a modern uh, ecosystem itself. 
So um, this slide, uh, I call this slide and is, is the family photo. So this is basically our uh, digital infrastructure portfolio. This is our, our suite of offerings. Um, and we start in terms of, of the storage, yeah? So, so again, when you think about storing your, your, your data, you know, we've got basically, um, you know, a, 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 a storage family, you know, that provides a lot of strength in terms of agility, scale, and also uh, performance. So we have uh, what you call a common user experience in terms of uh, SVOS. So, which is our operating system for, for storage. And SVOS is across our, our storage family. It's across our storage platform. Um, and, and, the, and, and the strong strength about that is, it, again, it comes back to the point about it being the same DNA. So with our manufacturing plants that we have in terms of Japan, it's the same engineers that are working on our, our smaller storage platforms, whether it be the likes of the G370s or the F370s, all the way up to our enterprise, um, you know, uh, top of the range, if you want to call it that, our, our VSP, you know, 5000s and, and 5500s that, that sit there. So we've got the same engineering DNA and also from the perspective of, you know, the same quality that goes into all the products. So, so you know, again, it, it, it's very similar in terms of, of the architecture. So customers get very much the same user experience. They get the same reliability they get the same quality that comes in. So, you know, that's why we're focused on, you know, ensuring that, that customers see that quality and also with regards to, to the reliability. So within that, we've got, you know, modern data protection. So again, we've got offerings in and around how we protect data for long-term as well. Um, and as well, we've got, um, you know, things like object store, you know, which is what we call our Attachi uh, compute platform. And within object store, and, you know, what we find is a lot of customers turn to that particular solution because within data, they can do metadata tagging. So when you're considering in terms of, you know, how to manage your data and how best to show that from a regulation or from a governance or, or, or from a, a re regulation point of view, you know, certainly our object store platform is, is, is a key area. And we've got customers today who are in the process of, of putting together, you know, uh, GDPR solutions using object store and, 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 and some other software as well that enables them to have those regulations, you know, uh, from a point of view of protection so they don't get fined. Um, and then to make a, a lot of this, you know, happen and work, we've got then our management and, and orchestration. So basically we have uh, what we call op center. Um, and then within our op center, we have different levels of, uh, you know, support and different levels of software to, 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 to control our storage. So we've got things in there with regards to, you know, administration software, analyzer, automation, protect. So, so in summary, you know, from a point of view of, you know, managing and, and storage admin, this op center gives customers the ability to be able to manage all of their software in a seamless way. So for example, if a user needs, you know, more storage and they've got particular workloads that are happening, all they need to do is send a simple email and that email, you know, to say, I need X amount of terabytes more, it will then be provisioned and given to them. And all it takes is a simple email to actually do that. And we've got in there as well, you know, analyzer that looks at you know, what's being used. And again, it produces reports about, you know, your data, your data management, your data growth, et cetera, et cetera. So it gives a full suite in terms of being able to focus, uh, you know, uh, on, on what's happening to be able to automate 
but then also um, it makes uh, you know productivity for for partners a lot more uh, uh, productive because they can then you know use these particular uh, um, uh, software offerings to to support that. Um, and then as well, we've got a simplified consumption. And Chris will go into a lot more detail here. So we've got our, our converged, we've got our hyper-converged offerings, rack scale, we've got partnerships with Cisco, and we've got uh, as a service uh, and enterprise cloud offerings as well. And the key thing here is that, um, you know, again, you know, we, we focus on what is it the customer is trying to do um, and also what they're trying to achieve within, you know, specific timeframes and also budgets. But but the key thing here is we work with the likes of VMware, um, you know, and, and also, you know, other partners, you know, to work with customers in terms of what is it they're trying to do within their particular cloud journey? What is it they're trying to do from a price point um, and what's going to be the objective? And like I say, Chris will touch on some of these uh, some of these areas. Uh, and then finally, you know, we talk about hybrid cloud, private cloud, mission critical apps, big data analytics. So, you know, within Atachi Vantara, we've got services whereby if customers have got, for example, you know, applications which were not born in the cloud, then we can work with customers in terms of modernizing those applications. So which can then be enabled to move into the cloud. Um, you know, time and time again, you know, particularly, you know, what, what, what I'm seeing is that customers want to move 100% into the cloud um, and that's their goal, which is great, but then they realize some of their applications do need to be modernized uh, or actually in some cases also need to be changed as well. So it needs to be considered in terms of, you know, what's the right direction and how quickly can people move in terms of their cloud migration. So that's, like I say, this is the, the family photo. This is the overview in terms of our, our digital infrastructure uh, from, a, you know, Atachi Vantara, you know, that we have, and then, then we offer. Uh, just moving to, to this slide, this is <clears throat> very much a, a slide that I like to show as well. Again, it, it comes down to, to the management of, of, of the data. Um, so there's a couple of things here in terms of, you know, we will um, look at data in terms of compression, deduplication, um, and typically, you know, we are seeing that, you know, customers can look at their data and get four to one from the perspective of being able to do the consolidation of, of their data. So, you know, we've got in there, you know, basically four to one on seeing and up to seven, seven to one uh, data guarantee in terms of what we will drive, you know, through our, uh, our particular microcode and also our solutions as well. So we've got guarantees to, uh, you know, to do that. And that helps in terms of, you know, floor space. It also helps in terms of driving costs down as well. Um, and then as well, we've got 100% data availability guarantee. So, you know, if, if there's an issue with regards to data, so we will, you know, basically, you know, replace the equipment, credit the data, uh, you know, if it becomes unavailable. So the way that the, the Vantara uh, architecture works is that we don't have any single points of failure. Um, and also we've got multiple layers of redundancy, but also the way the operating system works is it spreads the workload across the complete architecture. So that's why we find that components don't work out uh, or don't, don't, don't wear out as, as, as quickly because of the magic that's within the microcode and driving it. So, you know, a couple of key takeaways here is that, you know, in terms of the management of the data, you know, four to one and seven to one total efficiency, and then 100% data, uh, you know, availability guarantee uh, that's, uh, that we've got. So some headlines there. And don't believe uh, everything that I'm saying. Um, here's a proven track record in terms of uh, some customers, um, you know, and, and some brands that you will recognize there. So, you know, where we've, we've done this work, 
we've taken customers from uh, basically their mode one uh, and taken them to mode two. Uh, and that's put them in a situation whereby, you know, they've had cost reductions. Um, and, you know, for, for, for one customer, for example, we're in the process of moving over one trillion records. So basically we're taking one trillion records that they've got today, which is costing them from a data, data management, data storage. And we're actually activating, activating that data. So, you know, we're taking that data, we're activating it, we're enriching it uh, and we're monetizing it. Uh, and also we're using that data to protect, you know, from a point of view of regulation and compliance. Um, and an example might be, um, you know, that, you know, you've, if you've got, you know, customers, if you've got customer data within your environment, um, and if you look at it in terms of things like PII information, then, um, you know, if you've got, I don't know, say for, say, for example, you've got people's passports and those passports are not tagged. Well, from a compliance and a regulation point of view, you could be at risk from a fine. So, you know, we will work with customers in terms of identifying if there's data there that should be tagged. And if it's not tagged, we will go through a process to say, you know, we're highlighting some risk here. You know, you as a, as a customer need to do something to address this to prevent, you know, future regulation or future compliance issues uh, with regards to, um, you know, your, your, your particular uh, compliance and, and regulation process itself. So, so there's one or two, you know, customers whereby, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've driven down TCO, we've done cost savings, we've helped in terms of, you know, moving their data from a dormant perspective to an enrichment and activate and then monetize state as well you know, through uh, some of our conversations and some of our work that we've done previously. And again, that's all been done, you know, when you look at it in terms of the, you know, the, the digital infrastructure that we, we offer through to, to customers with our, with our services as well. But also, you know, market recognition. So everybody, you know, always asks and, and loves to see, you know, Gartner and IDC and Forrester slides as well. So we work with, with obviously these organizations, but, you know, we, we are leaders in terms of our prime storage you know, particularly when you look at our VSP series as well. Um, you know, we are a major player in terms of, you know, working with cloud and, and professional services. Uh, and also as well, things like, you know, object store, you know, which I touched on before in terms of regulation and, and management. So you can see there that we've got, uh, you know, conversations with, with the likes of Gartner and, and IDC. Um, and also if, if anybody after this session would like to talk with, you know, particularly with the likes of Gartner, then, you know, we can set up a session with them uh, and also with, with Vantar as well to have some further discussions in terms of their thoughts. So, so very much, you know, we've got a partnership with these, uh, with these organizations. And then speaking with regards to, to partnerships and, and looking ahead in terms of, uh, you know, as, as we grow, um, you know, it, it's, you know, like I say, it, it's key in terms of, you know, innovation, you know, that we've, we've, we've talked upon. So, and also alliances. So, you know, we, we are very much focused on, you know, AI uh, and machine learning. Um, so, you know, you, got, there's a lot of work going on in terms of that particular uh, space. And again, when, when you think about that, um, you know, we've, we've, we've got some solutions out there. And again, I'll come back and use a, you know, a train analogy. If anybody ever travels to the UK and, and goes through Waterloo, train station, well, that's actually monitored in terms of Attache cameras um, and what that's looking for is, again, the number of people that are, are on, on, on the platforms, you know, who's moving, if anybody's acting suspicious, if, if anybody starts to run, et cetera, et cetera, you know, they will be, they will be picked up, that will be analyzed, yeah? So, uh, and then flagged to the local, local alert and local security that's in there. So, so again, an organization we're very much focused on 
you know, AI and machine learning, um, and also from a point of view of, you know, if customers are, are supplied with data, right, it's great that you've got the data, but it's even better if actually the data is telling you something and recommendations are made. So that's then where we're going in terms of not only providing data and then the insights, but then actually the data making recommendations to our customers in terms of how they're working and operating. So that's taking it to, you know, very much the, the next level. So we've got, you know, over um, 80, uh, uh, you know, accreditations with strategic alliances and our partner uh, ecosystem. So, you know, you can see that we work with AWS, Azure, Cisco, Cisco Google, Oracle, all, all of the big names that you would, you know, very much uh, expect. So we've got 80 accreditations, we've got over 50 plus, you know, certified resources in, in these areas. Um, and also, you know, we've got things like advanced consulting, you know, we work with the likes of Google um, um, and, and focus in terms of our engineering labs working through with these uh, various uh, organizations as well. So, and then when you, you know, finish off in terms of the uh, integration, um, so we've, you know, very much, you know, got when you talk about integration, we, you know, we, we invested in terms of Pentaho, which is our big data and analytics. Um, and, and again, that's a fantastic tool set in terms of, you know, customers being able to, to not only manage their data, but to get the insights that they need. Uh, RainCloud is, 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 is our organization that, that looks at it in terms of customers migrating to and from the cloud, their application modernization. Uh, Attache Consulting is very much a, a, an organization whereby, you know, we can provide the right consulting to help in terms of, you know, customers experience, you know, particularly with things like, you know, financial services, particularly in around engineering, uh, you know, particularly with regards to, you know, what we're seeing, you know, on, on an EMEA basis and also global as well. Oxia is our SAP uh, organization. So in terms of our SAP uh, practice and, and management uh, accord, accordingly as well. So we've got lots of integration there, you know, in terms of across the board and, 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 and Atachi Vantara will continue to, to invest, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, making us stronger to help to provide, you know, better services through to, to our customers. So this is the uh, last slide I've got from a point of view of our portfolio. And I just want to finish with this particular one. So, you know, we've got industry first and best, most trusted data availability guarantee. So, you know, time and time again, you know, I, I hear from customers in terms of the quality and the reliability. And, and I've touched on how Atachi Vantara actually goes through that and, and the approach that's taken. And, you know, recently I talked with a, a customer and the customer said to me, you know, Jason, in a way, it's a shame your technology doesn't break more because we'd actually we'd, we'd actually talk more and we'd have a, a situation whereby we'd have more, more, more need to talk, as it were. And I thought it was an interesting point that came through. So, but again, you know, 100% data availability guarantee, enterprise class in terms of our, our, our focus with regards to our, our, our metro clustering, our storage virtualization, and also business continuity. So, Again, when we, we see customers that are running their mission critical applications, um, you know, no matter which industry, um, and they need that reliability at the key points of their, their, their particular, you know, their, their business week, their business quarter, you know, again, it's the enterprise class that they will come back to in terms of wanting to go with uh, uh, Atachi as well. So, um, you know, restart operation faster. So application aware and copy management prevents data loss. Yeah. Uh, and also as well, we've got things like our remote support, 
uh, you know, that brings, you know, predictive and pre preventative, you know, downtime as well, and non-disruption in terms of data migration. So, you know, again, that comes down to the management um, and also from a point of view of how customers need to do migration. And we provide services and we provide the tools that basically enable that in terms of a migration perspective. So that's a, an overview in terms of our portfolio. Um, and if I just move to the next couple of slides, um, you know, to, to, to finish off, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, commercial offerings. So, you know, we, we find now that, you know, customers spend a lot of time considering, you know, what's the right approach here in terms of, you know, how to, how to purchase, um, what's the right approach in terms of, you know, paying for the, 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 the flexible storage. So, so we, we very much through our Everflex offering, which is our commercial uh, uh, team, we very much look at this in terms of, you know, making sure that we've got a simple, you know, format in terms of how customers can purchase. And we very much like it, you know, make it a lease or a cloud-like consumption model. Um, so very much as well in terms of, you know, the length of service. So, you know, very much we, we keep this in terms of, you know, outcomes in terms of what you consume. Uh, and also as well, we, we look at it from, from the perspective of, you know, what's the right uh, area for, for customers in terms of their payments. So it might be the customers want to pay less at the start of the contract or they want to pay, you know, less at the end of the contract. So again, we'll tailor this from the perspective of, looking at it in terms of, you know, a price per terabyte or a price per usage, et cetera, et cetera. So we have our Everflex team in terms of, you know, working with our customers in terms of what's the right way to consume, um, what's the right way that, you know, the, you know, from a funding point of view. So, you know, customers may have a situation whereby they're going to do more acquisitions. So they know they're going to take on more workload, or they may have a situation whereby they're not going to need as much capacity going forward because of the different workloads. So again, we can look at this in terms of having, you know, a scalable, you know, pay as you use area, uh, you know, from, from a payment. And also as well, you know, their service level backed. So, so, you know, we will provide the service levels to, to ensure that we've got the right uptime. We'll provide the service levels in terms of, you know, what's needed for our customers. And again, that'll then be the back in, in terms of the commercial wraparound, you know, that customers need from, from there. So, so typically what we find is it improves, you know, the agility, it improves commercial agility. Um, you know, customers as well can wrap in things like, you know, upgrades. So if customers want to upgrade for the future or upgrade to future technology, we can wrap that in in terms of the commercial offerings. Um, you know, it helps in terms of avoiding delays or, or disruption in terms of, you know, key migrations or from the point of view of, you know, key workloads that need to come on board as well. Um, and also it can reduce things like, you know, over provisioning. So, you know, you're, 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 you're operating in, 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 in the true cost that's needed to support your business and, you know, removing, you know, things like wastage as well. So, you know, where you've got IT that might be on the floor and not being used to its full extent is costing you money. So, you know, by doing this, it can help to reduce, you know, any particular cost that, that's all we've done as well. So, and also it improves, you know, lifecycle management and also as well to simplify procurement. Because once this is in place, it's something that can be renewed. And like I say, you know, it's something that's going to have a perpetual, uh, you know, contract in terms of the hardware, in terms of the software and how that you pay. So, again, trying to make it as simple as possible uh, with regards to the cost side. So, so, again, we find that there's a lot of conversation about this, um, which is great because, you know, everybody needs to ensure that they've got their eyes wide open, particularly when you think about cloud and cloud workloads. 
but what's vital as well is that you know it, it's there to support and help to manage you know our customers business in terms of how they go through the particular uh, consumption models from that side so that's my uh, that's my final uh, slide uh, in terms of in terms of the overview of of, of Vantara. So I know that we're going to um, you know touch on one or two things a bit later, but uh, I'd just like to say thank you very much for your your time today. Um, I'm here for the rest of of, of the session for, for the Q and A, but with that um, I'm going to hand uh, back to to Shard uh, you know for for the next phase. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Uh, we are now uh, educated on Itachi Ventara's offerings. And there are already a few questions that have uh, been posted by the audience, but we'll take them after Chris G's uh, presentation, which is going to be about the unified compute platform. So Chris, if you are ready, over to you. Thank you very much, Sharad. A very good morning to everybody and uh, a warm welcome from, uh, from Hitachi. Um, so uh, today I'm going to be talking about Unified Compute Platform, indeed what it is. Um, it is a, a portfolio of products which Hitachi offer around uh, cloud, around application, around business application. Uh, we're going to focus today more on the virtualization aspects of the Unified Compute Platform. We tend to find that uh, talking feeds and speeds with customers lately is not the, the, the best way to, to, to hit home to, to, to a lot of customers. So we kind of change our approach. You know, we have offerings that are, are more focused around, like we say, virtualization, but application, which is really where most of our customers really want to have those conversations. So uh, hopefully this will, will uh, uh, inspire us to, to, uh, to have some, some good, decent conversations. So let's have a look at the, uh, the portfolio now. Um, at the bottom there, you'll see the infrastructure portfolio, and that consists of storage, which Jason has very given us a, 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 a good insight into, uh, into the different types of storage arrays that we can offer from hybrid arrays to, to all flash, and indeed looking at our HTTP object uh, storage units. Now, encased inside of that is uh, converged. Now, converged is basically uh, a way that we can start to fuse server storage and networking together to, to be almost like that, that ultimate platform that we can call upon as a resource block, whether we wanna serve out bare metal servers or whether we wanna virtualize those servers or indeed application servers. So we can, we can then incorporate levels of automation using our operations management over and above that. And of course, after that, we can then start to look at different ways that we can start to, to optimize the, the data within inside those units, or indeed to cleanse or transform that data. And then finally, the, you know, the layer that sits all above there is the analytics and machine learning layer. This is a way that we can start to really mine that data to understand you know, how we can, we can utilize that data, how we can make that, that presentation of that data more efficient. And, and Jason refers to a term of monetizing the data. This is exactly what we need to do to monetize our, our data. So you can see there that Converged uh, sits right at the bottom layer. It's a, it's a hardware infrastructure layer. However, it does touch on cloud computing, whether that be cloud on-premise or off-premise, uh, this is the portfolio to take you there, okay. Now, this is quite an important slide because what this, this really kind of details to us is that we have various different types of platforms that are available. There are other vendors out there on the market that will say, hey, you know, you can do it all with one physical platform. You can just drop everything into one platform and you can do everything. 
Uh, well, that's not quite the case. You know, if I've got some heavy iron applications that I need to, to, to support, then I can't choose hyperconverged because hyperconverged typically is a virtualization platform that doesn't support bare metal. Yeah, in the same way that if I want to take things to cloud, if I want to build a, a, a you know a cloud portal uh, to start moving workloads from an on-premise situation to, to an off-premise situation, can I do that with hyperconverged? Um, well, kind of, but you need some other products on, on top of that to, to give you that level of automation and, and that level of virtualization, not only just from the server perspective, but also from networking as well. Um, and converge, you know, a lot of people look at converge and say, well, you know, converge is expensive. Yeah. So I, I want something a little bit more cheap. I don't really want kind of converged anymore. And it's 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 too expensive for me. So really what we're finding is that there's going to be a, a blend of all of these types of architectures. And this is one of the key advantages with partnering with Hitachi, because we can blend all of these technologies together under one single management pane. And also you can start to then repurpose some of these nodes, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But it's key to know that all of these problems, all of these situations are key to every industry vertical, whether you're in finance, whether you're in retail, whether you're in manufacturing, it doesn't matter. It's the same types of approaches that people are making across the board. So let's have a closer look at the family. This is the UCP family. And as I said before, we're looking more at the virtualization aspects rather than the business application uh, aspects. If anybody is interested in business application uh, aspects of the UCP family, then please reach out uh, to, to one, of the, uh, one of the team and we'll be able to talk a little bit more uh, intimately about our, our offerings in those areas. But the UCP family, uh, from, from our perspective, when looking at virtualization, really falls into three hardware pillars. Now let's talk about those pillars and give you a brief uh, overview of what those are. Converse infrastructure or CI as we like to call it. CI is essentially a server, it's networking and it is storage or pre-qualified, pre-tested, pre bundled together um, and that serves up a very agile platform. It scales independently. So, you know, you can start to grow in, in many different areas. And we have the flexibility of mixing and matching different compute workloads together. And we'll touch on this a little bit later on, but converge sometimes to a lot of customers is considered expensive. Why? Well, it's largely because you need a storage system, you need a SAN architecture, um, as well as the networking infrastructure and server to go with that. Uh, coupled with that, you need expertise in virtualization if you want to, to try and automate any of these platforms. So you can see this starts to become quite a beast in, 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 its, own, uh, in its own existence. So um, probably around 10 or so years ago, um, uh, there was a, a notion really to try and simplify this architecture. Uh, and hence the, 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 uh, the birth of hyperconverged. Now hyperconverged, uh, as you probably already know, is just a, a simple way to start to offer out to converged infrastructure just with server nodes only. So this is now looking at your server node uh, with some onboard storage and some clever algorithm that basically will start to distribute the storage amongst all of those nodes in a very resilient manner. Now, hyperconverged is, is quite a simple way to start off your infrastructure it's a great way because it's low costs to begin with, and you can start to scale that just by adding on additional nodes. But we'll look at some of the disadvantages with hyperconverged a little bit later on in our slide deck. 
Finally, rack scale. Now, rack scale is actually built upon hyperconverged infrastructure, but this time we've bundled our hyperconverged with uh, VMware's VCF, VMware Cloud Foundation. Now, this layer, not uh, uh, exclusively, will give you a better foundation to, to a more cloud-like experience. Um, it includes a lot of different products. We'll touch on this uh, uh, a little later on, but it includes a lot more different products in terms of looking at virtualization of your networking, uh, looking at the management of your, your uh, entire data center from a, a, uh, a virtualization perspective, but also gives you that stepping stone towards some of the nicer uh, products that VMware offer, uh, such as the vRealize Cloud Suite. And that will give you the ability then to start to think about how you're going to move that workload into the cloud and indeed back again if, if needs be. So, you know, Rack Scale is definitely a, a, a product set that is starting to gain a little bit more traction inside the marketplace because people are thinking, you know, later on, not probably not now, I want to get that workload moving around with inside more low cost uh, more agile kind of architectures, and, and rack scale is definitely the, the way to, uh, to proceed with that. But like I said before, not every one of these pillars can do everything all in one go. So Hitachi have come up with a way that we can start to blend these architectures together. We can start to, to think about how we run a hyper-converged inside a converse architecture or rack scale inside converged. So you can have the best of both worlds. Yeah, you can have the low cost uh, area of hyperconverged and rack scale uh, merged with, with a converged infrastructure. So how do we do it? Well, it's quite key. There are a few points. The first one is that we use the same server nodes across all platforms. So that means that repurposing some of those nodes is going to be, is, is going to be key. But the one thing that, that holds them all together is our management platform. The management platform is called UCP Advisor, Unified Compute Platform Advisor. It's the same management stack for each and every one of those, those platforms. So whether you're operating converged, whether you're operating hyper-converged or rack scale, you have just one single management interface uh, that is presented through vCenter in VMware. Let's now take a look at some of the workloads which are carried with these particular types of platforms. And you'll understand now the reason why we still present a converged infrastructure a hyper-converged infrastructure and a rack scale or, or at least a, a, a virtualized cloud-based uh, infrastructure. So the first one, converged infrastructure, as we've said before, we can scale up, we can scale out. What do I mean by that? Well, I can start to, to scale my compute nodes independently of my storage and vice versa. This is great when starting to look at bare metal workloads where your storage is, is starting to, to exceed the realms of your standard implementation. Um, typical examples of this are, are SAP HANA, which, uh, which is presented through, through a SUSE operating system. Um, also, you know, we can run VMware on there if we wish, uh, but that's not, a, not imperative. We don't have to. Uh, we can run Oracle workloads. We can also run uh, our AI uh, and ML uh, management uh, interfaces through that. So we can start to mine data through there. In fact, you know, really looking at the, the, the workload consumption of a, a conversion infrastructure, um, it's pretty good for, for everything. But the one downside that it has is you need a lot of expertise in those areas to, to, to bring those on board. So this is where most people look at Converge and say, yes, ideally that's what we want, 
but can we a afford a conversion infrastructure but b afford the people to run the conversion infrastructure so this is where now a lot of people start to look at hyperconverged. so for virtualization workloads hyperconverged is great especially uh, with us we partner with vmware around our hyperconverged infrastructure and that's because they own the largest share of the market now hyperconverged is, is is a great starting block as i've said before these are resource blocks that you add as you want to grow um, one of the the nice things that uh, you can you can run on on uh, hyperconverged infrastructure is vdi workloads yeah you can have a separate cluster and you can have uh, some some uh, gpu uh, based uh, nodes that can then start to run a, a real good VDI infrastructure, or indeed it's great for for remote offices uh, where you know you need to start to replicate data back into a core uh, infrastructure. Um, it is probably a big waste of money putting a converged infrastructure inside a remote branch where you've only got twenty people working, as a good example. So, hyperconverged really is coming to its own for for rogo markets and for for VDI. If I look at rack scale, then uh, rack scale is is really um, a hyperconverged on steroids. This is a way that we can start to, to think about how we're running some more cloud-based architectures, uh, whether that be on-premise or off-premise, such as Cloudera, uh, you know, Cassandra, MongoDB. One of the key advantages that Hitachi can bring here is that we have an all NVMe uh, node. Now, what does that mean? It, it basically means that we can address the disks faster uh, and, and more efficiently than, than, than other nodes running SS, um, SSDs or indeed uh, a hybrid node. So we can then start to, to think about the types of workloads that are going to be put on those, those nodes. So really it's ideal for, for big data analytics, the kind of stuff where you're really going to have to, to, uh, to ramp up your computing and also look at the, the, uh, the data from, from the disks bringing that data into memory, processing that, dropping it straight back down onto disk. Also, online transaction processing, you know, database workloads are great with the NVMe, uh, NVMe nodes. And again, you know, this gives us a, a better edge in terms of, of trying to get more and more uh, workloads sat on a lower cost infrastructure. So that's really the, the three workload areas. Um, but as you can see, the middle one there really focused just around virtualization so it cannot support bare metal workloads so just to emphasize that point as i said before and i'm going to re-emphasize again this is all hung together by ucp advisor it will work across all of these platforms yeah uh, if you're blending these platforms then one version of advisor will address both uh, platforms so if you have hyper converged and converged uh, again it will be managed by ucp advisor single instance Okay, now let's have a look at hyperconverged. Um, this is a very simplistic diagram of, of hyperconverged. You'll see here we have some uh, some nodes. We have four of them, server nodes, and we have some storage attached to them. We're running uh, vSAN from VMware. And as we said before, vSAN is that clever algorithm that's going to spread that information across multiple different nodes uh, to give us a resilient infrastructure. So really, that means if I have a node that fails then all of my data stays in place. Now, I can, uh, I'm can i in control of however many nodes I want to fail, but of course that, that has a, uh, an impact on how many nodes are in the architecture uh, to, to begin with. In this uh, particular diagram, I've actually uh, indicated some switches, switch one and two, which are for the consumer network. 
Switch three and four, which could be virtualized, so we, we could uh, we could set those up virtually with inside switch one and two, um, are really for vSAN traffic. And this is to allow the storage to communicate across each other uh, on their, their own separate private network. This is important. You don't really want this, this to be uh, uh, running around in your, in your consumer network. So all hung together by UCP advisors. So let's look at some of the key points here. Um, the key points here, it's a very simplified infrastructure, server nodes with, with attached storage, uh, and that's really it. Reduced cost, so you start at a, a very low cost base, and you can start to expand, expand uh, as and when necessary, uh, which then form, therefore reduces the complexity. We just add in an identical node every time we want to expand. We've already talked about single management interface using UCP Advisor. And we've talked about some of the scalability advantages, but there are also disadvantages with scalability. Let's look at those. So if I want to add more storage to a hyper-converged infrastructure, I add another node. And that node contains compute. Compute that I've paid for, but I don't necessarily need to use. Yeah. In the same way, if I want to add more compute uh, workload in there, or more compute power, I add another node which has some more storage and I didn't necessarily need. So you are paying for infrastructure that you don't necessarily need. Yes, it might be low cost, but when you start adding this up and you start to grow the infrastructure, that becomes more significant. So hyperconverged definitely plateaus. It has its limits. So those are some of the disadvantages behind it. So how do we overcome those? Well, we overcome those by uh, incorporating disaggregated hyperconverged. We were one of the first vendors to work with VMware on disaggregated hyperconverged. Well, why, why did we do that? Well, it's quite simple. You know, we, we have storage as a, a, at the heart of our infrastructure offerings. You know, why, why on earth would you set up a separate silo of storage? And when we have a, a, you know, a perfectly good storage system there that can serve out storage as when necessary. So this is a way now to start to blend in storage from a storage system that already exists and then to present it to those hyperconverged nodes. This is called disaggregated hyperconverged. And essentially it's de-risking the environment. Why is it doing that? Well, when you look at it, you can, if you already have your storage system there and you have some free storage system, uh, sorry, free storage on that system, you can essentially say, okay, I'm not gonna buy another node this time because not only have I got the hardware costs, but I've got the VMware costs, the licensing costs. I can eliminate that. And I can then just literally present the storage through a couple of HBAs inside those servers. And that therefore means that I can start to grow the storage independently of the compute. Yeah. That is a key attribute to, to, to going forward with hyperconverged and indeed blending architectures together. You know, we can use OpCenter to manage the storage, or indeed we can get UCB Advisor to also manage the storage as well. So, you know, there are very different ways of looking at this. Uh, and, and, you know, when looking at these architectures, you have a choice. Yeah, you absolutely have a choice. You're not forced to go down, down one route. This is powered by vSAN, as we've already said. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about those hybrid flash and NVMe options and the advantages of, of, of those. Now let's look at rack scale. As I mentioned before, rack scale is actually built on a UCP hyperconverged. It's a hyperconverged 
with VMware Cloud Foundation stacked on top of it. Now, VMware Cloud Foundation gives you software-defined data center manager. It gives you your vSAN licensing and your vSphere licensing, so you don't have to worry about that. It also gives you NSX, and it gives you Virilized Log Insight. So let's have a look at and see how that stacks up. You're quite familiar with the bottom diagram now in the bottom left side. That is your UCP hyper-converged infrastructure. But stacked now on top of that, we put our VMware Cloud Foundation. And uh, we bundle this as part of our UCP RS offering, rack scale offering. Now, once you've got that, and most people will say, okay, am I ready for cloud? Well, kind of not quite. This gives us a nice universal interface that we can start to think about how I move data in and out of the cloud. It's that same interface that's used if I'm operating virtual machines inside my cloud uh, infrastructure, whether it's offered from AWS or from Google or, or, or Azure. But then what else do I need? Well, this is what else you're gonna need, yeah? So this is the offering itself, hyper-converged VMware Cloud Foundation equals a UCP RS. But in addition to that, you are gonna need Virilize Suite. A Virilize Suite is really the icing on the cake. It allows all of those operations to move very swiftly. Uh, uh, it gives you that level of automation. It gives you that level of uh, uh, network analysis. Um, but it also gives you the ability to start building things like cloud portals. So if you want to build an, uh, an on-premise cloud and you want to, to then start to charge people out for, for the use of virtual machines, then that's an ideal way to do it. You know, you build your cloud portal, you build your T-shirt offerings. And indeed, what you can do is you can, you can get people to, to log on to the cloud portal, order what they want, uh, and it's automatically provisioned under the covers and presented to them within a matter of hours. So, you know, this is, this is the, you know, the way forward, absolutely the way forward in the way, in the same way that I can provision uh, uh, inside a cloud using AWS or using Google Cloud. So, you know, these are, are parallel ways that we can start to think about how we're moving data to and from uh, a cloud-based environment, whether that be on-premise or off-premise. Now let's look at converged infrastructure. It's the, uh, the one that most people are a little bit more hesitant about, largely because of the cost, but there are distinct advantages with a UCP converged infrastructure. Firstly, we can operate different node types inside, inside the same infrastructure. So right now we, we are, we're displaying a, a DS120 1U, DS220 a 2U, then we have next to it the 240, which is a, a 2U uh, four, uh, four CPU uh, system. And then finally the 225, which is a GPU focused box. So what we can do is we can scale these independently. Yeah. So we can scale the compute, we can scale the storage as and when we like. Okay. We don't have to buy just a singular node and start to expand that way. In addition, it's highly redundant. Yeah, so you've got two LAN switches, two SAN switches. So you've got full redundancy inside that stack. Talked about those different nodes, but they're really focused around the different types of workloads you want to run. So the 220 has more I/O slots, so therefore we can we can crank open the throughput. You know, looking at the the four CPU version of the of the two node. You know, you've got that for for high processing. You've got a VDI focused node there, especially if you want to run any any form of 3D rendering. And, and finally, you know, just general workloads. You can you can run on, on the standard two socket 
uh, one new uh, one new box. The key here is that all of these components are pre-qualified. They're pre-tested in our distribution center and they're sent out to you as a, a tested pre-built stack. That means our day zero deployment uh, is, is, is much greater than anybody on the market. You know, we're wheeling these things in. They've already been pre-tested, pre-working, pre-qualified, -pre uh, pre-cabled. So when you, when you drop this into the infrastructure, then your time to production is much less. And we call that day zero deployment. Now we talked about UCP Advisor all the way through this presentation, and, and that actually lives on its own management infrastructure, um, typically two or three nodes. Um, and, and that is your, your eyes and ears over the infrastructure as, as, as it stands. But there's one key advantage here that, that UCP Advisor will give you in a converged infrastructure. It will actually automate a lot of the processes in provisioning, and that's key attribute. It, it sits and, and it understands what infrastructure it has available. It knows how many server nodes it has. It knows the amount of ports that, that are there. It understands the, the storage pools that exist and how much free storage uh, is available. It's also a health and monitoring management tool. But in the UCP converged infrastructure, it is also responsible for running a, a setup wizard, if you like, or a, a, an orchestration wizard. Um, you key in your attributes, you basically say, well, I want uh, uh, an ESX server and I want it to, to be connected through, uh, through these ports and I want it to have uh, this chunk of storage presented to it. And once you've gone through that setup wizard, uh, you, you hit the go button and this will, this will provision for you within, uh, within a matter of hours rather than a matter of, of weeks or even in some instances months. So this is a, a very fast and easy way to start to provision any form of virtualization tool when you're looking at ESX. But not only that, it does it for bare metal as well. So if I wanna go through the same process and say, I wanna spin up a Windows server, then I can do that. It basically goes through the same process, but when it gets to imaging, instead of picking the ESXi image, it will pick the Windows image and it will place that onto the server. So you can be in control of your own images. So you can put a, a pre-built image to, to your specification in there uh, and you can start to build those, those servers. Now you don't have to touch advisor. Uh, you can, uh, in theory, you can, you can start to get other tools to interface into advisors so you can be hands-off with the, with the entire infrastructure uh, uh, management game. Um, and that gives us gives customers a key advantage because they can then start to streamline operations from ticketing systems, which we'll talk about a little bit, uh, a little bit later on. UCP Advisor is, is also responsible for all of the firmware upgrades as well. So uh, it's an automated firmware uh, package, which is dropped into Advisor, and it will do a rolling upgrade uh, throughout those nodes, making sure that you're uh, you know, secure, but also on the latest versions of the firmware across the infrastructure, not only for the servers, but also for the SAN switches, the LAN switches and the storage. The one nice thing about UCPCI is that it's a single point of support. That's for the servers, the storage, the SAN switches, the LAN switches, in fact, everything inside that stack, including the VMware. So if you buy VMware licensing from Hitachi, then that indeed is then uh, supported uh, by Hitachi, so a single support point there. He talks about the agility of this, and, and the, the agility kind of speaks volumes. You know, the fact that I can start to, to spin up automatically uh, a virtual machine hosts, or indeed 
uh, bare metal servers with operating systems like SUSE or, or, or Windows or CentOS. Um, and I can spin those up in, in you know, uh, typically less than, than, than a couple of hours. Gives me the ability to start to redeploy people and say, you know what, instead of having someone actually physically doing this, this process and going through this, this tedious process of spinning up these, 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 uh, these servers, I can now then redeploy these people into, into more important roles, much more efficient roles to, to look at what is the next technology we're going to bring on board, how are we going to do that. It also brings you on board business agility. So instead of waiting two weeks for a server to be spun up, it's spun up within two hours. So that means marketing can get on with that next new campaign that they need to roll out for the, for the next launch. You know, it's all things like this, which we need to start to think about how closely is IT mapping into the business. Now, UCPCI expands a little further. Um, this is now when we start to talk about how we, we look at fusing these technologies together. And I'm going to give you one example here. This is fusing a UCP hyperconverged inside a UCP converged infrastructure. So these nodes, as we've already discussed, have their own independent storage, which are attached to them. And they will run their own cluster uh, inside that infrastructure and connecting to the, the LAN switches that you see at the top of the screen. But one important point here is that we can run disaggregated hyperconverged. Okay, so we're scaling again independently. So the storage can start to scale independently from the existing storage system that already exists there at the moment. But there's one key attribute, yeah, there's one key thing. And I mentioned it earlier, and it's to do with the node types. Yeah, these UCP hyperconverged nodes are in fact our DS range of servers. Yeah, so, so in effect, what we can do is we can start to de-risk that investment. Yeah, if your hyperconverged infrastructure is not working out for whatever reason, whether it be performance related, whether it's costing too much money, it, it doesn't matter. You can then start to think about how you're gonna move that workload into the converged infrastructure. And then from that point, you can then start to think about repurposing those nodes. So those UCP hyperconverged nodes, we strip off the vSAN license, the storage can stay on board, it doesn't matter, but then you can start to, to push those into the standard converged infrastructure node types. Yeah. So this is a really a way to, to, to think about, you know, have I, have I adopted hyperconverged? No. Do I want to? Yes, because of the cost implications, but am I cautious? Absolutely, because I don't know if it's gonna perform. Well, this is an ideal way to do this. Yeah, bring it on board. If it doesn't work out, you can move that workload from one to the other. And that movement to the workload, by the way, is using a, a standard VMware technology, storage vMotion. The key here is that we're managing everything from UCP advisor. We've got the same node types, so you can then start to blend all of those nodes together. So really, you know, we've harmonized this workload. We've actually basically said, it doesn't matter what your workload is, we've got platforms that not only will service all of those workloads, but the platforms will also talk to one another and blend into one another as well. Okay, so now let's look at a final extension and it's kind of a dotted line extension because this is not really in the realms of orchestration, but I just really wanted to mention it so you're aware of it. We also have another product in our portfolio, it's called the DS7000. Now, the DS7000 is really focused around application workloads, particularly SAP, SAP HANA, and also Oracle, Oracle databases. 
The key point about the DS7000 is that it's a system that can scale up. So I start with a two socket, and then I add another two socket server to that to become a four socket server. I can add another six socket, I can add another eight socket, etc. As the sockets start to grow, the memory also starts to grow as well. So this particular system parallels something like a Superdome from, from, from HP. Now, the key advantage here is that we're drawing from the same storage system. We're using the same management tool, UCP Advisor, to manage that particular product. So you can start to get all your health stats, et cetera, from, from the DS7000. We don't orchestrate this product. And there's, there's a very good reason why we don't orchestrate this product. Uh, you wouldn't probably buy an eight socket server to run VMware. Um, that's, that's typically uh, not where, where VMware play too well, although it, it, it potentially could work. Uh, but yeah, for heavy iron workloads, uh, definitely the DS7000. But the, the key point I wanted to make here is that it's all managed by the same singular infrastructure interface. Now let's uh, have a look at uh, UCP uh, Advisor. Uh, UCP Advisor, as I've mentioned before, is the glue that holds all of these infrastructure pieces together. It's the centralized management function that allows you to upgrade your firmware via the, the automated lifecycle management functionality. It also uh, allows uh, you, you to provision bare metal servers or, or indeed uh, a virtualized host. Um, you can also then uh, start to, to run uh, multi vCenter support. So you've got one instance of, of UCP Advisor looking at many different versions of vCenter. Now that, that comes in particularly useful when we're starting to blend some of these infrastructures together, because although they're kind of separate clusters, I still want to manage them from one single interface. So that's where UCP Advisor is, is quite key here. One nice thing about UCP Advisor is it's used using RESTful APIs. Uh, and this allows the integration of third-party tools to talk directly to and instruct UCP Advisor in certain functions. Um, a good example is there's a, a, a bank in, in the Netherlands who aren't actually using Advisor management interface at all. They've integrated it with ServiceNow and ServiceNow uh, receives uh, and generates tickets. And if the tickets reach a certain condition, uh, then it will, it will uh, instruct UCP Advisor to start to spin up uh, a brand new physical host uh, to apply ESX, and then of course to, to move virtual machines on top of there. So this is an automated process where they're not even touching UCP Advisor. However, it's, it's key to, to, to the infrastructure deployment. Now we have integrations. We'll talk about integrations in the next slide a little bit further, but vRealize Orchestrator, vRealize Log Insight and, and Ops Center Automator are all uh, key integrations of, of UCP Advisor allowing UCP Advisor really to, to keep a hook on the, the, uh, the VMware uh, suite that sits around ESX. And as we've said before, you know, UCP Advisor is common to converged, hyper-converged, rack scale, <clears throat> and also our Cisco offering solutions. We've partnered with Cisco, so we can, we can basically fuse their compute and our storage together, and UCP Advisor plays a role in that as well, okay? So to move on and have a look at some of our native VMware management, um, a lot of people are quite keen on taking some of those extra layers over and above the virtualization and indeed VCF, and they, uh, they're starting to look at other products from the vRealize suite. Um, you'll notice there that there's a lot of vRealize uh, suite applications, um, and we also have plugins 
free of charge plugins and management packs that are available to uh, to service those. What these are actually doing is 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 really presenting uh, our uh, hardware up through and into those tools. So that's going to give you much more efficient operation. It's going to be able to 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 get. Uh, uh, VMware to, to really start to talk and integrate with the hardware in a much better way instead of going through all of the layers of the, the, the virtualized infrastructure before getting to ESX and hitting the hardware. Okay, so, so that's the reason why we've, we've built some of these. Um, the latest one you'll see there in orange, which is VLCM, VMware Lifecycle Manager. Uh, that's really to try and level set the, the infrastructure from a virtualization point of view, making sure that you're on the right versions of, of VSX across all of the, uh, the infrastructure pieces amongst many other things. So if you're interested, um, then you can go check out uh, the VMware Marketplace. Uh, we, have, uh, we have our home there and all of the, uh, the um, uh, plugins and the attachments, etc., are all, are all seated there. So you can find out more information there. Okay, so let's uh, just have a look and see how we fare in terms of, of the way that IDC view us. Um, you know, one of the, the key things here and one of the reasons why we partner with VMware, you know, we've got a 20 year relationship uh, that's still ongoing with VMware. So we're a platinum partner with them. Um, and we've, we've basically partnered with them for our HCI uh, or their, their converged infrastructure technology with, with vSAN. Um, it's the most uh, adopted solution uh, um, globally. Uh, you'll see here that the market share is 43.5%. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're growing year on year um, and, and they continue to be top. Now, that's a, that's a double-edged sword for us. That's uh, in, in one respect, it's a, it's a positive uh, because there's many more customers using, uh, using VMware that's very popular. Uh, but the downside is, of course, that uh, you know, there are a lot more players out there. So uh, you know, we have to be vigilant of that. We have to be uh, more cost-effective and, and we have to come up with uh, you know, innovative ways to, to sell our solutions. And I'm, I'm hoping today that you've, you've seen some of those uh, um, in, in our infrastructure offerings. Let's also look at how we compare with, with some uh, various different uh, other vendors. Um, typically, you know, when we start looking at, at other vendors, you know, they, they do have a, a lower hardware cost than we do. Now, some vendors are looking to move towards a, a subscription-based approach, which kind of wipes this model out slightly, but, uh, you know, we can, we can still go through a subscription approach uh, if we start looking at some of the commercial uh, offerings that Jason touched on in the latter part of his presentation. But you'll see there the hardware support cost is also is, is a little bit more expensive from, from an Itachi point of view. But look at the overall solution price. Yeah, look at the overall solution cost. The competitor in this instance is actually more expensive because their licensing cost is much more expensive. You know, when looking at some of these observations, you know, we, we have a way that we can start to reduce the overall hardware that you're going to put on the floor. Yeah, this is uh, largely using the NVMe offerings. Yeah, but there's, there's other technologies involved with that. We can scale storage independently, unlike other vendors. Okay, again, you know, you're reducing down the amount of nodes that you're putting in there. Not only are you reducing the amount of nodes, you're also reducing the cost of the VMware licensing. Yeah, that's our disaggregated hyperconverged that we mentioned earlier. It's actually also offer a singular management interface. So as and when you, you start to look at other competition that have uh, a silo here for your, your uh, hyperconverge. You'll also have another silo for converge, etc. 
Uh, and that's not the case with the tattoo. Again, you know, you're fusing these architectures together and you're making sure that that singular management pane uh, can manage everything. Yeah. Also, be careful about the way that some other vendors license their products. A lot of them do license their operating system as VMware do, as we do, but then they start to license individually cores and they license storage separately. So if you have some quirky nodes that need a lot of storage, but very few compute, then you're going to pay a premium because you have to license the storage. With us and VMware, you don't need to. Yeah, it's a singular license per node. Yeah, and it's licensed per physical core. Uh, sorry, for, per physical socket. So if you have a two socket server, I have two vSAN licenses and two ESX licenses, and that's where it ends. Yeah, there is no further additional cost irrespective of how much storage I've got on there, or indeed how many cores I have inside each CPU. So that's an insight into the competition. Hopefully uh, you've got some, uh, some good questions for us. Uh, and that concludes my part of the presentation. So back to Sharad, I think. Yes, thanks, Chris. Uh, we now understand UCP better. And I'll give you a little time to rest before uh, we come up with the questions that are directed at you. My, yeah, I think this is a good time to introduce Rehan Shahed and uh, Santosh Shukla who are also joining us. So Rehan is the partner <coughs> territory manager based right here in Dubai. And Santosh Shukla is the pre-sales consultant who's also going to help us in answering some of the questions from the audience. Uh, Rehan, if I may request you to uh, post your contact information in the chat so uh, some of the people from the audience can reach out to you after this webinar uh, my first yes, question sure. though yeah thanks Arian. my first question though is to jason and it, it's a little general and uh, you know post covid uh, uh, digital transformation has accelerated and everything is digital now so have you at uh, hitachi ventara noticed a spurt in data storage requirements and data management requirements? And if so, if you can outline some of the industries specifically where you see that growth. So uh, Jason, this one is for you. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, and it's, it's, it's a fascinating one, isn't it? In terms of COVID, you know, who, who, who would have thought in terms of the impact that, that COVID made you know, around the world and, and to everybody, you know, what we, we saw straight away was obviously the need for people to be working from home, you know, especially in and around VDI solutions, which links into, you know, part of our UCP offerings that Chris has, has touched on. So, you know, there was many, you know, customers that wanted to ensure that they had the facilities where staff could, could work from home, but then also carry on working. So, you know, for example, within, within financial services, within banking, you know, the banks needed to be able to still carry on offering their services and reach out and, and enable their staff to work from home to be able to talk to their customers as well. So, so there was huge demand, uh, you know, in and around the, you know, the remote working uh, and also from a point of view of, again, provisioning the, the specific workloads to, to, to meet and manage that in terms of the different bandwidths, in terms of the different services they needed. And then also the different provisioning that they needed, you know, during the day as well, from a point of view of workloads. So we certainly saw that as one of the, you know, one of the main issues in, 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 in terms of COVID. And then also obviously online, you know, online retail, 
and the need to, you know, to, to, to move in terms of online with regards to different customers. So there was a lot more activity in terms of web-based services. There was a lot more activity in terms of how customers could improve their, 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 their internet. And especially when you look at it from a point of view of small, medium businesses who maybe didn't offer you know, on their websites things like checking out services or be able to buy online. So, so we saw a lot of transformation in terms of web activity. We saw a lot in terms of customers wanting to use a lot more features and then obviously you know towards the, the you know the, the back end of that it's how it's then processed and the processing and the storage needs that, that that that's used in terms of covering that so in terms of covid certainly the impact you know with regards to companies wanting to function in terms of working from home and then also from the perspective of like i say web and web services now on on the other side of it you know we then had customers who you know covid you know hit negativity in a negative way so you know for example i touched on rail so you know no one's been using the trains right so you know how how do you then keep and manage that cost base which you're going to need in the future you know running today when no one's then paying and using your services when you haven't got your your revenues coming in so so that was a different conversation about refinancing. That was a different conversation about maybe switching some services off, right? That was, you know, the point about, you know, you can flex up and you can flex down. So we also had those conversations with customers. And this is where your commercial models came in that we were able to look at them, renegotiate them. So more of the costs were towards the back end, which then freed up, you know, the cash and various things. So, so customers certainly went into what I would describe as an area whereby they, they needed to react to COVID. Um, and then very much in terms of the process with regards to recovery, you know, which quite a lot of organizations are now into. And then, you know, it's kind of, well, you know, what do we predict for the next 24 months? And if we're really honest, I'm not too sure anybody can ac accurately predict what's going to happen over the next 24 months, because things are certainly, you know, still in, the, in, a, in a state of flux with regards to that. So that's certainly some of the uh, sort of things that I saw and witnessed from, from a point of view of, uh, you know, my view of the world. Yeah, thanks, Jason, for adding your perspective. I want to move on uh, to Rehan. Uh, since you are based in Dubai and looking after the region, my question to you is, in which specific territories are you seeing a boom? Is it Saudi Arabia? Is it Qatar? Is it Bahrain? Is it Africa? Please enlighten us. Um, I think, uh, Sharad, uh, that's a great question. Actually, you know, from Hitachi Vantara's perspective, I, I actually see this in two ways. Um, you know, what is obviously, you know, for, from a Hitachi uh, limited perspective, you know, because, you know, we're, we're, we're part of the, the mother company Hitachi limited, you know, born in 1910. And, you know, that gives obviously our customers some extra confidence that, you know, we have a very, very strong economically, you know, stable company as uh, on our heads, you know, similar to, if you look at Google and, and Alphabet, you know, uh, relationship, so that probably gives a lot of uh, confidence to our customers that within this region as well, you know, including, uh, you know, the ones that you named, the UAE, you know, Saudi, Qatar, and all of these regions. And I feel that, you know, because um, this is very, very, um, you know, important. And um, a lot of, um, you know, like like Jason mentioned in his, um, in his session as well, um, we have seen a lot of, um, you know, remote work, you know, happening due to this uh, pandemic, we still see that both, you know, uh, Saudi as well as, uh, you know, UAE uh, being the, the largest two regions um, in, 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 the, in, in the GCC market. Um, so I think um, these two regions, 
depending on various uh, you know sectors if you look at you know banking sectors as well as the telecom sectors uh, are probably much more you know i would say uh, strong and then and they probably were in a better position in, in, in the pandemic you know area versus if you look at airline industry or you know hospitality industry as well so i think a lot of these um, you know from a regional perspective things were um we've seen that you know in the past and i think your question also ties in a way to you know how is hitachi vantara you know doing in the region and i think from hitachi vantara's perspective i think uh, you know we are we are very committed to um mep region you know we are we are increasing our um you know investments we have like you know direct as well as indirect you know presence in the major regions if you look at uae and and, and saudi um Uh, you know the the commercial models that jason you know mentioned we have introduced those as well in in these uh, you know uh, major regions you know we have uh, the capability to give direct support in these major regions as well and we have you know customers under you know these uh, contracts which we are obliged um, you know and as well as committed to 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 continue for 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 various reasons and then you know we are increasing our investments as well as on our distribution model you know uh, our distribution such as uh, you know tech access that we have co-sponsored this event with um you know we are increasing our investments in in our resellers and and, and partners as well who are you know for sure one of the most you know valuable assets to our our region as well so um, i hope that addresses your yeah, that's, that's a very comprehensive answer thank you rayan Uh, I just want to move on to a question from the audience. Sandeep Chabra is asking, and this is a question to anybody from the panel who wants to answer it. Uh, his question is: Can you please touch on software-defined storage building blocks? So that's the question, and he says uh, the accent is on data center storage with cloud computing, local backup, and archive, and not keep data on the cloud. So I don't know. Is this for you, Chris? Um, or is it for Jason? or maybe some thoughts wants to come in yeah so let me let me take that it's uh, so let me just you know in in from the building block point of view hitachi takes a very holistic approach when it comes to software defined storage we are not limiting the customer towards just one technology uh, the way we take software defined storage is uh, from uh, you know greenfield point of view and brownfield point of view. Now, when it comes to brownfield, a customer who already has either Hitachi storage or non-Hitachi storage, he can actually virtualize the non-Hitachi as well as the Hitachi storage behind the Hitachi controller, and through behind that controller, he can use the same uh, you know operations, administration, replication tools, and data management, data protection tools, which is offered by Hitachi on the controller to manage every other storage platform inside his data center. so that is basically software defined storage for customers who have already invested on prem infrastructure be it with hitachi be it non hitachi but simplifying the operations and reducing tco and increasing the return on investment by making sure uh, we have simplified the tools we have reduced the number of tools the replication tools the data management tools the data protection tools by virtualizing systems and storage behind our controller and using one single pane of glass to manage it so that's one part that's basically when the customers have invested in brownfield infrastructure greenfield is basically chris basically you know touched on this in a, in a quite an extensive and quite a beautiful way which is 
customers have a choice. It all the application drives the infrastructure. The customers have uh, if customers is building private cloud and they have standardized on let's say Red Hat or VMware, then they then they have a choice when it is VMware to use vSAN as a building block for software defined storage. So they can go with either UCPRS or UCPHC depending on what you know their private cloud deployment journey is going to be like. Or if they have, uh, you know, if they're going with Red Hat, then they can choose again UCPRS to be able to use the building blocks, the server building blocks, or the hardware building blocks, uh, you know, to be able to build KVM virtualization, Red Hat OpenStack, or OpenShift for the container management and underlying using Ceph as the software defined storage. So that covers basically Greenfield and uh, opens up a choice of hardware over there, with, you know, whether they want to go with hyperconverged or converged. And choices of software-defined storage platforms over there, whether it is vSAN from VMware, if they were going with private cloud from VMware, or using Ceph, if they have decided to go with Red Hat for their private cloud deployment. But we also, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to repeat that part that you know Chris actually mentioned in one of his slides. That is, we also give customers a choice to use these hardware stacks to connect to the SAN storage to be able to you know give them flexibility of expanding the storage without tying it with the compute capacity. So that's how our building block when it comes to data protection, data management, data storage works uh, for both greenfield and brownfield when it comes to software-defined storage. Yeah, thanks, Santosh. Uh, now I'm coming to Chris G. A question from the audience. Ali says, you mentioned that UCP Advisor is the management tool for all of these solutions. Can it manage more than one environment in other data centers too? Or do I need to use multiple versions? Uh, you can do both. Yeah, you can do both. You can have, uh, I talked about multi-instancing before. Uh, so if you have multiple versions or multiple in instances of uh, a vCenter uh, server, um, you can manage those through one instance of, of UCP Advisor. So you can do a multi-instance um, or indeed you can you can start to run different uh, UCP Advisors and, and if you like use a manager of managers. The easier way is, is to run a single instance of, of UCP Advisor um, and then you know, ad address all of the different uh, vCenter uh, versions uh, that sit underneath it, whether they're on the same site or whether they're off, off, uh, on different sites. I'm presuming those sites are probably gonna be linked in some way, um, but uh, yeah, from a management perspective, that's not a problem. Right, uh, this uh, comment, it's actually a comment rather than a question, and it says Itachi provides 100% data availability guarantee. Is that true, Jason, Santosh? Is it true that Hitachi provides 100% data availability guarantee to its customers? Yes, it is. Yes, it's true. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we offer that as part of uh, our, our, our service as part of the technology. Uh, and, that, and that's primarily due to the redundancy that's within the technology as well. Um, and like I touched on before, in terms of the way that the workload is distributed within the arrays as well. So yes, no, we do offer that. And how does competition stack up to that one? So uh, let me take that. Sorry, Jason. So, so uh, well, there's no competition that we know, uh, you know, so far that offers 100% data availability guarantee. Uh, they they offer fine nine service availability. However, when it comes to guarantee, which is what uh, we believe the data is most important asset that customers have, uh, we are the only vendor that offers the 100% data availability guarantee up until now. I mean, to the best of right. my knowledge. Great. Since we are coming. Uh, 
uh, to the 90 minute mark. I'm going to give uh, 30 seconds to one minute to each of the panelists uh, to uh, state the USP of Hitachi Ventura from your point of view. And I'll start with Jason. Less than a minute. What is the USP of Hitachi Ventura? Look, you know, you know, Hitachi Ventura. Hitachi is a huge, huge organization. Like I say, you know, engineering, engineering DNA. Um, you know, if you want anything from a rice cooker to a nuclear power plant, Hitachi Ventura can can manufacture that. So, you know, it's very passionate about its 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 its, its innovation. It's very passionate about machine learning. AI and various things from from that side. So it's very much an exciting organization. But you know, we want to work with our, our customers and partners to understand what's key for their business and where they want to go to. Thank you, Christy. Your one minute starts now. Okay. All right. So uh, since working here for what nearly fifteen years, you very quickly learned that Hitachi is is quite a pragmatic company. Um, every 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 I suppose decision is around options. It's not about forcing people into certain uh, categories or, or, or choices. It's about an option. So we're giving people the option to either go one way, the other, or maybe blend both, you know? And it is all about having that choice, yeah? So it's really uh, about giving people the choice about which directions they wanna, they wanna move into depending on their business need. Rehan, what makes it exciting for you in one minute? I think I'm, I'm excited for a lot of reasons. So, uh, you know, with Hitachi, Vantara, uh, you know, looking at the future with our own IoT platforms, as well as machine learning and all of those things, which actually ties into our digital infrastructure, you know, solutions. I think this whole um, portfolio story probably, you know, keeps us uh, in, uh, unique among a lot of, uh, you know, people out there. And, and, and then the ability to have the Hitachi limited expertise in, the, in their you know, areas and then come up with those uh, combined solutions probably to power good for our um, you know, customers is, is what excites me the most. Thank you, Rehan. Santosh, where do you see Hitachi Ventara technology five years hence? Sharad, I'll take this question. Uh, okay, this is our audience who haven't yes, met me. Yeah. With Murphy's law was playing on me today and my laptop came up. So I'm a territory sales manager with Hitachi for the past three years. And I would say the USP of Hitachi, honestly, is once you go with Hitachi, you stay with Hitachi. That's simply because of our reliability, availability, serviceability, which even Gartner swears by. And you can look at the last year's Gartner's report. We have scored the highest among all other vendors. We might not be the best in marketing, but once you invest in Hitachi, believe me, this will run it will deliver what we promise. We do not overpromise, but we always deliver more than that we promise. Thank and you, that... Santosh. Uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Santosh, you want to add anything? Well, I guess that three points that Ashish just added here, reliability, availability, and serviceability, that speaks for itself. I mean, Hitachi has the most uh, reliable platform. Uh, we obviously guarantee that with our 100% reliability guarantee, and I guess we touched this, Jason, also talked about it in his presentation, and I guess I guess I I also touched on that that we're the only vendor who offers that. And when it comes to serviceability, of course, it's easy to manage, operate our uh, you know software platform is now across the board across all our infrastructure. So you know you don't have to learn new tools every time we basically launch new product. It just plugs and plays. So it's like it's like uh, you know the iOS of the Apple, which is for the data center storage, data center infrastructure. 
basically that's what hitachi offers you in enterprise Perfect. space uh, yeah, Analogy. on that happy note. Yeah, any anybody wants to add anything else? All good. All right. So uh, since uh, we are uh, ninety-five minutes now into the webinar, it's time to say thank you to all the panelists. Uh, Jason, thank you. Chris, uh, Santosh, uh, Rehan, Ashish. Uh, I want to thank our audience uh, for their questions, for their participation. And one note for the audience: you can see a recording of this webinar and the podcast on onlywebinars.com in a couple of hours from now. So if you missed out on any part, uh, you can just go to the website and grab that recording. Um, yeah, thanks once again for being a lovely audience. And uh, we look forward to interacting with you in the future. Rehan is your contact for any sales inquiries. You can grab his uh, contact information in the chat. So thank you all once again. Stay safe and see you on the other side. Bye for now.